welcome to episode 7 of the local meta. My name is Fletcher. And I'm John. So, John, how's it been going? It's doing alright. I had some uh, friends of mine decide to try and hide from me in standard FNM, so I decided to play standard last night. That's always fun. That's a good time. What, yeah. did, you, what did you play? Uh, the Blue Ready merch deck that I've been kicking around for a while. I've heard you mention it, but so I'll be honest, I have no idea what the deck is. It's really sweet, but it loses to itself a lot. Um, you <laughs> you basically play like a bunch of discard effects, try and like discard um, advanced stitchwing and stitchwing scab, and then you use those to discard prized amalgams, which are uncastable in the deck otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> and you use that to emerge out like elder deep beans and never let your opponent cast spells. Nice. And beat them to death with five sixes. Decks with uncastable cards are good in my book. It's sweet. It's really. It has some really terrible draws, though, like when you're doing nothing and you can just. It literally loses to itself, but otherwise, I approve. Ah, uh, you know. It's my kind of magic. Decks have to do that sometimes. Yeah. Go big or go home, right? Exactly. Like 15 15s. Damn right. <laughs> Damn right. So. <laughs> We're going to kind of go a completely different direction from this and talk about something that I feel gets, you know, I think needs a little more attention at least with the magic podcast that we're doing here. We talk a lot about strategy and everything like that, but there's a lot going on in magic and one of the sweetest things about it is the flavor yes. and particularly the stories going on with it too. Yeah, this is it's commonly referred to as Vorthos by like the the community as a whole and by the people who actually make magic. They call it the Vorthos side. It's there's Timmy, Johnny, Spike, and Vorthos. Yeah, that's Vor actually incorrect. Is it? I'm gonna correct you. Yes, Vorthos is not a psychographic. I thought it was. It is a, nope, it's in in aesthetic. Mm. Well, I shit. believe that's what I get for being wrong. <laughs> but it's Vorthos and Mel are the two sides then. Yep. So okay. So those are those are aesthetic appreciations. Mel appreciates the the nuts and bolts, the the mechanical pieces, and then Vorthos appreciates the flavor and everything like that. So you can actually have like a Spike Vorthos, which is somebody that wants to excel at knowing the the lore and the story and certain things like that. Mm -hmm. Or you can combine these the three psychographics with each of those to to get a different sort of you know, flavor out of each one of them, to, uh, what what the person is going for. It says here, uh, it means Melvin's appreciation comes from how a subject makes him think. Melvin enjoys comprehending the underlying structure. Melvin wants to understand how something is put together and then admire the craftsmanship of the interdependencies. Mm-hmm. Huh. So that's, that's more mechanical than it is, like, flavor. Interesting. Well, you learn something new every day. See, there, I get to learn you for once instead of you teaching me stuff all the time. <laughs> but still, magic story is sweet. Yes. Story's awesome. Magic is awesome. Story is... So I, I honestly think that if there wasn't for magic story, magic would not be anywhere near what it is now and very well could have died in the past. That's, you know, I think that's actually a fair a fair point. I mean, to be completely honest, like, this isn't necessarily the story, but people, I, I think most casual people did not get into magic because of looking at a magic card and liking the mechanics of it. They looked at the card and saw the sweet art and flavor text and name and were like, this looks cool as hell, I should play it. Yeah, there's a very intentional reason that magic is full of demons and dragons and angels and goblins if you're me like you look at like the first thing that you notice about the card it's literally half the card is the art and it just it draws so many people in because like they see this totally sweet thing and they're like oh what's going on here and then like you know you teach them that it's a card game and like there's like a story aspect behind every single card and stuff and it just it pulls people in so much easier I mean, how many times have you been, have you like played one card and somebody will comment on it and you're like, oh, it's actually part of this story, and you can kind of go off on this giant thing with it. Yeah, I I do that a lot actually. Like it's my nice little tale about you know the reprint of Goblin Guide. You know, Goblin Guide, the new Goblin Guide's a female, and the other one isn't. And someone's like, well, how do you know that? 
Like, well, the Zendikari goblins, the females have, you know, evolved to have this bone ridge on their skull and, you know, base of their neck. And they're like, how do you know that? I'm like, because goblins are sweet. I know their lore. <laughs> don't you know how to sex a goblin? <laughs> <laughs> how do you know which ones to hit on if you don't know? <laughs> you lift its leg. Okay. Oh my god. I'm going to go kill myself now. <laughs> but, so I mean, there's all this art and flavor, and I mean, there's been a, I mean, Magic has had a storyline through most of its history and everything, including some really, really good ones, you know, in the early days too, that people still talk about. Yeah. But, I mean, so, John, what what are some of your favorite, like, storylines with magic and stuff, I guess? We'll, we'll just dive right into some of this sweet stuff. I am one of those people who has a massive, you know, metaphorical hard-on for, like, the old school story stuff. Um, I have gone on very lengthy, I don't want to say rants. We'll but, call it a rant. Yeah, basically rants about why Yogmoth is the greatest bad guy ever created in Magic. Like, I absolutely adore Yogmoth as a character. And, like, because, like, his whole thing sort of, like, he is a mortal man who, upon real, like, he, he has no morals whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> I mean, was, he's not even a planeswalker either. No, he he is not. He has no power outside of the power of his own mind and what he has done to him. I mean, at this point, he's like a godlike being. But you know, so I'm just gonna like. I know I have to bleep this out and stuff, but Yagmoth is a badass motherfucker. Absolutely. <laughs> like you're introduced to Yagmoth as like this guy who comes to a city to heal someone. And he winds up just using that someone to do, like, these horrifying experiments on them. And you find out, like, in his past, he dissected, like, entire races leading councilmen and stuff. Like, he kidnapped the leader of, like, the, the Minotaurs and dissected him to see how it worked. Like, this is a man who, when Planeswalkers were these on like they were gods they could literally yeah, yeah. Create, they could create entire planes out of nothing because they wanted to they were almost impossible to kill he killed some of them he like put them in their place and he was the greatest threat to the multiverse in the eyes of the most powerful beings in said multiverse even urza who is the 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 granddaddy badass planeswalker who owns all planeswalkers was like Dude, this is scary. Yeah, he was, like, Urza was kidnapped by him and forced to fight in an arena. Like, he forced a god to fight in an arena for his entertainment. Because that's something he could do. He went from being a mortal man to dominating the entire plane of Frexia, which was not made by him, mind you. It was called Frexia before he got there. He dominated it, made it his own created the actual sentient Frexians and used it to take over Dominaria. And we know Frexians are basically the most pushover villain ever now, right? Yeah, you know, they're not the biggest threat in the multiverse outside of Eldrazi, which barely count. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think Frexians are scarier to some degree. Well, except Frexians can't move between planes. And that's the only thing holding them back. Yeah, Frexians can't move between planes until they have portals made for them. Spoiler. Um. <laughs> you know, it's just what they do. We're, we were both instantly, like, as soon as we saw the card planer portal, we're just like, yep. I'm like, are we all dead? Are they just, are they ending magic? Is this what's happening now? <laughs> they're just doing this damn thing right here. We know it. Like, there is no other reason you create a planer portal in the magic story except to let the Frexians <laughs> in to just butt your world to death. Yeah, and everyone knows they really That's like... two bleeps. <laughs> they really like worlds that are, you know, ran by metal. You know, yeah, like the entirety of Kaladesh. Yeah, well, this one's squishier too, so I'm sure it'll be a little tastier. Yeah, I'm sorry, Kaladesh. You had a really nice aesthetic. Yeah. But let's talk about, you know, that new Serum Visions. Don't you just want everything to look like that? Yeah. Full <laughs> <laughs> of story. Yogmoth, badass mofo. Yeah, he'll wreck, wreck you. But, and, I mean, but like his storyline was basically the first, like, how many years of magic? It was like it his act is like his entire storyline stemmed across like a decade. 
Because he was kind of was because he was with the Brothers War stuff, right? Like yeah, um, he he was well, he was technically from before the Brothers War. He was from the time of the Thran, which predated okay. the Brothers War by like multiple millennium, I think. Yeah, but I mean, like th- that storyline wasn't revealed in Magic until they started doing a storyline, which was Antiquities. But so that was like antiquities, basically till the end of the whole infre- the whole Frexian stuff, which was what invasion. Uh, it was beyond that, wasn't it? The beyond invasion, like because well, there were hi- there were hints to stuff going on. Like you can even take stuff like um, time spiral and plane shift as being like impacted by Yogmoth. I guess. Like he, I mean, like du- like directly with his Frexians and all that stuff. Is yeah, they I they I mean they cut them out after a point. Because I think Frexy, like I think Invasion was the last. I, I I don't remember off the top of my head because, but Invasion was literally an invasion of the Frexians. So yeah, there there's multiple cards specifically referencing stuff like that, and even like before you know the actual invasion of Frexians, he was corrupting. Like he was the power behind every single bad that existed back then. Like mm-hmm. he. Like, he was, you know, like, Volrath, who was the primary antagonist for um, Gerard Capchason, or however you pronounce the, his name. The, weather, the Weatherlight Saga. Yeah, the entire Weatherlight Saga. Like, that was all as a direct result. Like, one, Gerard was created to fight Yogmoth by Urza. Like, he was supposed to be this perfect being. Yeah, well, Urza is, like, right on the line between hero and villain, so... <laughs> He's a little gray, He's very gray. <laughs> He's solidly, you know. Sometimes you just gotta do some eugenics to for the greater good, right? <laughs> Whatever, man. <laughs> some sometimes you have to win a contest to marry a girl who's the princess of an entire civilization, just to get a book to read. <laughs> Man, man had his priorities. <laughs> yeah, priorities, yo. It's like literal wedding night. As soon as she's asleep, he gets out of bed and goes and starts reading. <laughs> That's what he did. It was a dang good book, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, like you know, like but like there was like a nice little you know mirror to Gerard. I'm I'm sorry. I'm going to be talking about a lot of black aligned characters because they are so much more interesting to me. Because black line characters are interesting, I should know. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong, Gerard's cool and all, but he's literally, like, the magic equivalent of the perfect Aryan. It's like, he was the perfect being designed to do a very specific thing, but the ramifications for just his very existence were so much more interesting. So it's like, Gerard was raised by Kondo. I believe that yep. was that's his name. Siddhar Kondo, yeah. Yeah, Kondo had another son. His son's name was Vool, or Vuel, or however you want to pronounce it. It was Vool. It was Vool, yeah. Like, he had, he had a son, and they were raised like brothers. And, like, they were this weird little tribal thing where, to become a man, they had to go through this um, rite of passage, as it were. And you basically had to climb this plateau. Before you do that, you know, they put on their awesome war paint and stuff, you know, and they go out to be a man. And if you didn't succeed at this, you were kicked out of the tribe. And Stark of Wrath poisoned the war paint that was put on Vool. And as a result, Vool failed. And before he died, Gerard saved his life. And that was a grave insult to the point that, like, because Vool survived, he didn't get to die with anything like honor. He was kicked out of the tribe, and he swore a blood oath that he would make Gerard pay for what he did. And it started this whole goddamn thing where, like, Vool became Volrath. He was the Evancar of Wrath, you know, because the Phyrexians found him and corrupted his hatreds to make him, like, even more powerful. And, like, even that whole thing, like, I have... I just built a Volrath EDH deck because I find this character so interesting. And I had to hunt down the specific Vendetta, the card that was created as a culmination of this whole thing, where, um, like I said, uh, Stark of Wrath is the one who poisoned the paint that made Vul fail his test. Volrath became a shapeshifter. He shapeshifted into Stark's daughter, blinded him as his daughter, and then once he got brought on the weatherlight, 
once he got Stark alone, he slit Stark's throat in the guise of his daughter. Like, he got his vengeance decades later on this guy who screwed over his life in the most horrifying way possible. But you can still understand why he became who he was. Like, there's just so many little things that just kind of ruined his life, and it made him so easily corrupted by Phyrexia. And he's awesome, because he's a Black Alliance character. Yeah, but I mean, like, well, even compare the modern characters and stuff. So compare, like, you know, Beef Slab, Gideon, <laughs> and, to, like, Liliana, like, in their and their stories and everything like that. I mean, I find Liliana to be a far more complex character than Gideon is. I... I, I much enjoy Liliana more than I like Gideon, but Gideon is kind of complex in the sense that he's trying to, like, he's performing penance for his past sins. I, I get it, but it's like, but that's but that's such a white thing. It's like, oh, I, I did something bad. I'm sad. I help people. Yeah, like, he, he goes about it in the most boring manner possible. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Not that I dislike him, but it looks like Liliana, like... I, I think you see every facet of a black character. Like, p- people, when they look at a black character, they think that they're just these selfish m- murder hobos. And I think Liliana is one of those characters that kind of shows that that's not true. Like, she cares about things. Yeah. Like, a lot of things, actually. Like, she tries not to, but that's part of her character, too, there. But, like, even though she messed her brother up a lot, like, it, it came from the right place, if that makes sense. Like, she was trying to do whatever she could. And that's and that's the 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 whole black mindset to some degree is, is that you do whatever you need to. Like there are there are no limitations. Yeah, she very like she very clearly started out as not a not a mono black character in her personality, really. Yeah, probably black white. Yeah, and but like she became so jaded due to like what wound up happening that she realized that it wasn't worth caring anymore. Mhm. Like and she, she constantly struggles with that though. Yeah, which she is still hilarious. does. Like, she doesn't want to, but she does, and there's not much she can do about it. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, you know, know, like, yeah, she's such a more interesting character than, like, like I know I hate on her a lot, but, like, Nissa is just so boring in that regard. It's like, she just cares about, oh, like, man. all this I like stuff. trees. Like, trees are so great. It's like, man, this is so totally ruining, like, you know, the innate nature of what's going on. It's like, who cares? I think we just don't get green characters. <laughs> yeah, as well as. yeah. Like I, th- I think that's got to be the big piece of it. I even have an issue with Chandra sometimes, though, and I get red. Like I understand emotion, but she like Chandra embodies it so much to the point of being unreasonable. Like I get being driven by your emotions and just wanting to like, and un- you know, burn everything down because you're having a bad day. I really do. <laughs> But there has to be some amount of control to that. You got blue in you, though, man. Like, I, I think that's where you just don't see it. Because I know some people who are red. They're this is the most red characters ever. And, like, they're just like that, man. Like, <laughs> like literally to the point of, eh, you insulted my mother. Time to burn down your house, yo. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past some of them. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just... It's just one of those things that they're just... That's just how they feel at the moment is what they do. And that's just how it is. And I totally... I don't get it. I'm not going to say I totally get it. But I can, yeah. I see it in them. And, and it's just... I'm just like, oh man, you drive me crazy. But... <laughs> <laughs> like, I suppose. Like, I am... I do have that little confliction going on. But it's just like... Eh? It's just so weird. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But black characters are better than any other... Yeah, to be fair, Chandra is still the most interesting of the Red Planeswalkers. Outside outside of Nikki B. Good old Bolas. Such a great character. I I'm not gonna lie, I really hope that the the Gatewatch get their asses kicked on Omnicat. They're about they're about due for it to happen, so Yeah, like you know, this is a good segue, so um uh what do you what do you think about the new story structure? I Am both a fan and not a fan. Okay, why? So I, it's very clear what Watsi is trying to do. They're trying to make the whole thing a lot more episodic. It's a lot mm-hmm. more like a TV show at this point, which I get 
it's a lot easier to get people invested in your invested in the story if it is something like that. I mean, but, I guess their numbers are showing that too. So. Yeah, but like, at the same time, like it just doesn't. It's not as interesting to me personally because I like the whole, you know, like you know, oh, we're on this plane and we're, we have all this stuff going on, and like I liked the bite-sized stories as it were because it allowed me to get, you know. I could get really invested into like a specific plane if I really liked what was going on it. And I could just kind of like meh on a plane that I wasn't as big on. And then that also allows Watsi to like tailor their whole thing to being a little more, uh, you know, like find out what people like more and stuff like that. But at this point, it's like you're kind of forced to get involved, invested in the Gatewatch. And like, I get it. I really do. The Avengers are really popular right now, and you kind of just want to go with that. And people like, you know, their their hero groups doing their thing. But there's like the actual characters. Just it's so hard for me to get. Anytime there's a story about like Nissa and Chandra having a girls' night out, like I, like it's just not something that interests me personally. Like I have no fault with anyone who likes this stuff, and I get you need to diversify your stories for people. It just it's not something for me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna defend it actually on my end because I I don't know if I like it but I think I at least support the decision because mm-hmm. so with the old stories there was just too much going on for me to follow. Fair. Like as Rick as as, as kind of weird as that sounds and stuff like ninety percent of the stuff that happened I have no idea what it was because I didn't have time to read books or anything I, I don't have time to read the uncharted realms right now even mm-hmm. like i tried keeping up for battle for zendikar and stuff like that and lost track at oath of the gatewatch and couldn't keep up anymore like at one story a week that's how bad i am but with the new structure and and the episodic structure i can it, it does a few things for me one i can catch the beats a lot quicker so i don't need to read the entire story and know exactly who said what and all this stuff but i can kind of get an idea of this thing happened then this thing happened then this thing happened and it kind of moves me it keeps me caught up more or less if that makes sense mm-hmm. two as as you were talking about how you, with the planar stories you could say oh i could get really invested in this plane or or i could get really invested in you know or i could ignore it or whatever like that i get to do the exact same thing but with characters so, I cannot stand Nyssa, just like you. Mm-hmm. I read her stories in Zendikar, and I was like, I had to force myself through them. But anything with Liliana in it, I'm on it, and I can I can read that. So, I can invest myself in a character and what they're doing, instead of investing myself in a plane and what's going on in it, if that makes sense. Fair enough. Like yeah, I'm not, I'm I'm not condemning it by any means. Yeah, no, I'm just I'm just explaining my my side of it and everything. It's 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 like we'll say I like the Avengers, but Thor's super stupid and I don't want to watch his movies. But I I like Iron Man and I'll watch all his movies kind of like thing. If mm-hmm. That makes sense. So, and then when they all group up and kick someone in the face, I can go watch that. But so right. I don't know. I think I think the structure is getting a lot of hate. I don't think a lot of I think I think it's okay to dislike it, but I I think it's getting a lot more flack than it deserves to get. Yeah, like like I don't personally hate it by any means. Like I still enjoy the story. Like I still read every card's flavor text because like that's actually where I get a lot of my story from is stuff like that. Like I still I like what they're doing. I just I did enjoy the old thing and I get the reason why people are hating on it is because people don't like change. And they well, were, I mean, the, yeah, I mean, yeah. the new card frames and stuff caused a lot of havoc for a while, even, so. Yeah, so, like, they're changing how they're telling the story, and a lot of people are like, oh, they're just trying to gain value off the whole Avengers thing, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, but it works. I mean, realistically, realistically, it's more of a superhero story than it is anything. Yeah. like that I is, mean, if you look at Planeswalkers. That is what they are. They are, they transcend mortal power level. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's cool, and I... Honestly, so here's another thing I like that, I mean, we said we don't like Nissa and anything like that, so there's some characters we like, some characters we don't like, but the characters that we like, they get to really dive into. Mm-hmm. Like, because if, if it was the old style of story, we don't get Weatherlight Sagas anymore, even after the old story. Like, that was kind of an experiment stuff. You, so you don't get block after block after block of Volrath and learning about him and stuff like that. You kind of got stuff that kind of jumped around a little bit more, mm-hmm. and it just—I don't know—it it didn't seem as 
concrete. Yeah, it was a lot more schizophrenic, and it was a lot harder to follow storylines as a result of that. Yeah. But so, but so now they get to do a really deep dive, and unfortunately, it feels like they just do deep dives into Nissa. But like, they they can get to do deep dives into specific characters. Like, you get to see, you know, in uh, some of the early Zendikar stuff that I was reading, like you got to kind of see a different side of Jace, which was nice. Mm-hmm. You got to see, you know, I I still absolutely love the um uh, when Gideon recruits him to go help with uh, the Zendikar stuff, and he's having dinner with Liliana, and Liliana's like, "This isn't about me anymore." Peace. Yeah, just she like just leaves. takes off. She's just like, up. Oh. <laughs> We're uh, not. This isn't about me. I'm gone. <laughs> but, another, another random tangent about Black Line characters, because yep. specifically Gideon and Zendikar, his interactions with Drana were so great. Because Gideon has that obsession with saving everyone, and mm-hmm. Drana was fully aware that you can't save everyone. You need to. You need to sacrifice the people you can when it is for the greater good and that is something like, i am i am not a black aligned individual but that is something that i agree wholeheartedly like well you have to you have to be pragmatic about yeah. it and that's what black is is pragmatic it's minor tangent world war z actually gets into that where like israel is saved because of a man who's a literal like sociopath he cannot see people for people he just sees trying to save the country as a whole and he builds this giant wall and sacrifices like forty percent of the population to the zombies, so the rest, like the rest, can survive. And people hated him for it, and he lost his mind because of it, actually, in the story. But minor tangent: you guys should read World War Z. It's a great story. That's like, I mean, that's a const- common moral, uh, you know, situation that people run into in a lot of stories. I'm pretty sure I've seen at least one or more Star Trek episodes that have dealt with that and everything. So it's, I mean, that's. That's one that you just run into and stuff. And like for for Black Line characters, it's like it's like they're like, yeah, that's there's absolutely no discussion here. We just yeah. know what we have to do. Like we we have, you know, this is just how the world works, guys. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure there was literally a part where like Drana either like feeds on someone or says that she's going to because she understands that she's more important in combat than that than that individual person was. <laughs> like she can kill more Eldrazi or something like that. It's like, it's oh like, my god, you're so right, and it's so <laughs> wrong at the same time. <laughs> See, and the, people were complaining about that too, though, with the with the planar stories or with the um uh, with the gatewatch focus and everything like that. That you don't get to see the the plane specific characters and stuff. Well, we just, I mean, you just kind of described one right there. Yeah, like Drana was a huge part of the Zendikar story. Yeheni mm-hmm. was a huge part of Aether Revolt. Like, I mean, um, uh, Pia was a huge part, wasn't she? Like, yeah, like there. I the, mean, like these are plain specific characters. They ain't going anywhere. Yeah, they're they're definitely not going anywhere. Like even Chandra was considering staying on Kaladesh for like the rest of her life to spend more time with her mom. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like yeah, like these. There are plain specific characters that even like even some planeswalkers are technically plain specific. It's like, yeah, Sahili is not plain specific, but she's tied into the existence of Kaladesh. Like, she doesn't seem inclined to leave. Or look at um, uh, Shadows Over Innistrad. That one was a weird, weird story one, because I think kind of where it fell with their transitions to the story and everything. But, like, most of the set dealt with everyone who wasn't a planeswalker. Yeah, everyone who wasn't a planeswalker, like, and then Tamio showed, Tamio and Jay showed up, and they're like mystery time. Yeah, and, but like, but like, otherwise it was like Avison and and um, uh, you know, Gisela and Bruna and Sigarda and yeah, there was all this stuff. Like there was the oh, Soren I suppose showed up too and was like yeah, Soren yeah. and Nahiri. So there were there were planeswalkers involved, but like, but but a lot of the story was focused so much around the plane specific characters. Like I just, I, I feel like some of the some of those complaints are coming from a place that is just not realistic. I don't know. I'm tr- like I, I feel like it's they they feel like it it's it's perceived a different way than it actually is. It's kind of like when people say, oh, everything's about all the storylines are about Jace, <laughs> which when you realistically look at it, like Jace is in them. Like two or three storylines have been about Jace, and everybody was freaking shit. Like. <laughs> Jace is just trying to do his thing, you know? He wants to stop evil for some reason. I mean, and I'm not a huge Jace fan by any means. I'm one of the few people that was like, 
eh, Jace is kind of fine before Origins. I'm like, whatever, he's an okay character. And then I read his story in Origins, and I'm like, this dude's an idiot, and I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm backwards of everybody. Everybody else is like, oh, man, he, he's such a tortured soul, and we love him now and stuff. And I'm like, God, this whiny little kid, I'm sick of him. Yeah. I just want to go read Liliana's story again. It's like, oh, oh, no, he was bullied as a child, and now he's like, what are his motivations even? Oh, uh, he doesn't have his memories, so that's kind of a motivation. Not really. He's not doing anything to get him back. I think he kind of is. I don't know. No, like, they're they're just gone. They were stripped away by the Sphinx, who he yeah. killed. You know. Like, you can't get those memories back. If they're anything, they would be inside said Sphinx. Maybe he can. I don't know. You could do some, like... Some crazy-ass mind magic. Maybe it's, like, going to be a mystery. Like, oh, my God. Now I'm, now I'm blanking on the name of the movie where... Oh, son of, son of a gun. Is it... Is it that seven or twenty-seven or whatever? No, it's the one where the guy like is like like makes like like writes stuff like makes tattoos and writes stuff on his arm and like leaves pictures all over and stuff and. I don't know. He has like he has like no short-term memory. God, I can't remember it now. No I, I idea. Suck at movies, though. I don't watch any movies, but I watched this one because my wife made me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Either way, Jace yeah. is boring. It was good. Jace has no yeah. driving driving force that I can identify with, and I am blue aligned. I should be able to identify his driving force, and I cannot find one. He does. I don't know. He doesn't. He, he seems like his his. And the funny thing is, this as a blue character, he feels like his driving forces are short term. Like, yeah. I feel like he's the kind of character that like is kind of like wandering around, like doesn't know what to do, stumbles across a crossword puzzle, and has to finish it. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually pretty fitting, actually, for him. He's like, "Oh, there's trouble in this place." Whereas, like, like Liliana, no, I, I'm just gonna go back to her because Liliana is Bay. But will, um, we'll go back to Liliana until the end of time. Oh gosh, so but she um, uh, us in the garbage. Yeah, she's a sweet character, but so she like, I mean, she has a goal, like, <laughs> like she has purpose and drive and is trying to accomplish something always, like it. It is constantly like, yep, this is this is what I am doing. These are the things I need to do, and we are going to do these things. Yeah, but like, if you think about it, like, almost all the Planeswalkers have that to a degree. Like, yeah. Chandra is kind of just trying to find a place to be, but she found that. Her her current character arc is kind of done now. Nissa, yeah. Nissa has this huge kick for, like, you know, like, the natural order and destroying things that are unnatural and try to pervert it. That's at least still a driving force behind her. Gideon just wants to save everyone. And while it's a terrible driving force, it is uh, a driving force. And it does actually give him depth yeah. as a character to a degree, to the point of it is being self-destructive on his body. Yeah, I, that was... I, I will say that it was an interesting piece of his storyline, though, is that that he's basically killing himself by trying to do all this. Yeah. Like, like because, I mean, he was, like, bouncing back between, like, Ravnica and Zendikar in the Zendikar storyline and stuff like that. And, and he just keeps going all over trying to fix everything. Yeah, exactly. Which I I do like that, but I mean, like, man, just. But that's what, as a black aligned person, like, I just look at that and I'm like, man, you are so unrealistic. And that's I don't know. It's just, but I but I get it, and it is a, it is a decent driving force. He's just one of those people who wants to save the world. Yeah, and like as where Jace just kind of he wa- Jace's like he also <laughs> kind of wants to save the world, but only when he stumbles into it. Uh, that's what I feel like. I feel like he just is kind of like wa- like wandering around, and all of a sudden he's like like Gideon shows up and is like, "Hey, come help me save Zendikar." And it's like, "Okay, let's do this." Sweet. And then he's like, "Oops, oops, I fell into Innistrad, and there's a mystery. Let's do this." You know? It's... Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess but... he's supposed to be the everyman that anyone can kind of imagine themselves as being, but it doesn't make for good storytelling. Yeah. I don't know. I just yeah, I don't identify with him a ton, I guess, but Man, we we could just rant about him forever, I'm pretty sure. I'd rather rant about how awesome Liliana is though, but yeah. Moral of the story, get into the story cuz it's sweet. It's and here's the best part. It's free. Yeah. Like you can li- you can literally for the current storylines like go and pick up ebooks or read the weekly columns and stuff on Daily MTG and yeah, it's I I love that they release them in ebooks too, after the fact. Yeah, I mean like or even just do what I do and like I said I read every single piece of flavor text and I just, like I'll sit and just stare at the art because it's so awesome. Like 
like e they've even made it so much easier now where like they have five specific cards from every set that are very much tied into like how the story is going on well, this, yeah the story spotlight card. those are nice for me too because as i said i'm somebody who can't really follow everything that's going on but mm -hmm. I, I get those story spotlight cards and i'm like oh okay this is kind of what's going on they're doing insane things and bad things happen yeah like even just like reading this like you know, i have a metallic rebuke, rebuke in my hand right now it's like flavor text too little too late the machine is in motion tezzeret that tells you a lot like that's, <laughs> like just a little snippet like that and you're like oh damn shit is going down I mean, they've really upped their game yeah. in the last few years, like using the flavor text and everything like that. Like, and I'll say, I'm a, I, I love corsets, and I was a big fan of the real world flavor text they used on them. Mm -hmm. But I totally get why they got rid of it. Both things, um, yeah, and um, uh, are are doing a lot more with their own flavor text for to for the world building. Their flavor text and art just has taken a whole new degree. Like deflecting palm was actually a really sweet one, where it's like. Narset with one hand stopping a punch from Zergo and shattering his knuckles with it. Like that is <laughs> that a art, horrifying that art makes art. me hurt. <laughs> yeah. Like don't look too closely at it. I'm gonna say even with the, you know, the art direction nowadays is so consistent and so good. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna say uh, like my favorite just standalone set for art was Mirage. Mirage had some of the best art and magic, but. I wouldn't go back to that just because I think they're doing such a good job with creating their worlds and creating a consistent image and conveying everything that needs to be conveyed through that art with, with what they're doing nowadays. Like, there were museum-quality pieces back in Mirage also, like so it's not, like, a quality thing. Yeah, there's, like, Kaladesh's lands actually did that really well. Like, every one of their lands firmly puts you in Kaladesh. And, like, mm -hmm. all the little aesthetics that were going on in that set, just, like, yeah, like, look at all this little Aether stuff. Look at all the little swoops that everything has in the art. Like, there's no hard edges on Kaladesh, and they showed that so well. Well, I mean, just, like, even go look, uh, uh, Original Magic Art blog, if you search that, um, they do interviews with artists and go through, like, the process they did for, for drawing the art and, like, the description they got and then how they used the the world to build all these things and add in those components and add in their own components. And it's, it's super interesting seeing how a single image on one card came to be mm -hmm. and how much time and effort and thought was put into it. There's some crazy talent that goes into making this game what it is. And the game is a lot more than just a pile of cards. Like, you know, you can, cr you can take a, a deck of actual playing cards and make, you know, a magic equivalent, but it will not resonate the same way that actual magic does with people. Yeah, I mean, magic would be far less than it is with without the the narrative and the 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 flavor that goes along with it. It's just, I mean, every game kind of tells a story too in a weird way. Yeah, which is which is one of the powerful pieces of of magic just in general. Magic's just sweet. Magic's pretty dang sweet. I, I approve of this game. I think it's fine. It's okay. We'll probably hang around with it. Yeah. For a little <laughs> while, at least. So, well, I'm, uh, you got anything else before we close up shop, John? So I have a really interesting question for you. Okay. <laughs> so as a man who has never drafted this format in your life... How do you feel uh, about Aether Revolt's Aether Revolt Kaladesh? What do you mean? You know, like how limited the order wise. of it? Limited wise? Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't think I have ever. I've cracked so few packs of this set recently. Oh. I, I don't even know if I can say anything. Uh, how, how would you rate your card evaluation skills? Well. I'm okay. Hey, <laughs> let's let's see if me and you will come to an agreement on something. I'm probably gonna have to look up all these cards, but okay. I can tell you what they do if you want. <laughs> sure, read it. Read them out to all me. Right. Let's. Dawn Feather Eagle, four colorless and a white. Uh, creature bird flying. When Dawn Feather Eagle enters the battlefield, the creature you control get plus one, plus one, and gain vigilance to end of turn. It is a three-three. So. Eh. Eh. All right. I mean, I mean, you know, I'd play it in a. In a white deck, <laughs> in a in a white deck, but uh, I, I don't want to be first picking it. 
Embrawl Gear Smasher, two colorless and a red for a 2-3. Human Warrior, tap, sacrifice an artifact, deals two damage to each opponent. I don't know. Can you get the? I don't know if you can get the critical mass artifacts of that in red. Yeah. What what colors is um uh, fabricating? Uh, white. White. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. A, but I mean, if I'm doing a red white, do I want to be screwing around with that, or do I just want to be attacking? I mean, it is it is reach. Oh yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah. Uh, leaving the dust. Three color. Leaving the dust. Yeah, three colorless and a blue instant return target non-land permanent owner's hand draw card. Mm, I mean, I want to play that card every day, <laughs> just because it has some of my favorite things ever on it. I don't know. It, it's it's four mana for a bounce, and draws a card. It draws a card. <laughs> I mean, if if I'm in a dirtily deck, I'd probably want it, but I'm gonna want some. I need some defensive speed before I, you know, I, I don't want to take this card first. Okay, that's all I'd say, I guess. Fair. Uh, Lifecraft Cavalry, four colorless and a green, four four trample revolt. Uh, if you trigger revolts, two plus one plus one counters on it. This card seems good. This card is solid. This card seems pretty solid. Like I, I don't think you know. Again, I don't think I'd want to first pick it if I don't have to. But I think if from what I from what I know about the format, I think green's pretty good. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a four four trample for five, I would play and not be thrilled, uh, not be like, yeah, we did it. But um, uh, I wouldn't like be sad about that. Yeah, it would just be like. But but I mean, if I can trigger revolt and have a six six trample for for five, I'm gonna be. I think I'm pretty happy about that. Fair enough. Renegades getaway. Two colorless and a black instant target permanent gains indestructible until end of turn. Create a one one colorless servo artifact creature token. Nope, I'm out. All right, good. <laughs> that card's bad. Uh, high spire, high spire infusion, colorless and a green instant target creature gets plus three plus three until end turn. You get two energy. We've... I don't, I don't want to play this, but I mean, it seems like a solid trick. Yeah, but you're not taking it over Lifecraft Cavalry, right? No, no, I'm gonna take the creature before I take a trick. Good. All right. Uh, Aegis Automaton, two colorless for an O three, four and a white. Return another target creature you control to its owner's hand. I feel like there's just. <laughs> I feel like I could do something with this, but no, no, I'm not. No, I'm just not taking this card. Uh, implement of Ferocity, one colorless for an artifact. You can pay green, sacrifice Implement of Ferocity, put a plus one plus one counter on entire creature. Activate ability only anytime you can cast a sorcery. And when Implement of Ferocity is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, draw a card. This seems good. Goes very well with your Lifecraft category. Yeah. So so. One so would I I guess in my thought my mind and my thinking would I play one in a green sorcery target creature gets plus one plus one draw a card, and I probably would. Mm -hmm. I mean, if it, it cycling it seems good. Um, I don't know if I would take it over the cavalry just because I tend to lean on creatures, but I mean, could I find another five drop? Probably. Yeah. Like I pro uh, out of those two, I'm probably leaning more towards the implements just because. I mean, it's. It's, it's colorless, for one. Yeah. And also, it's an artifact, which is important to a lot of other things. It is colorless, but it isn't at the same time. Yeah, I suppose because it's green, too. Because sacrifice but... requires a green, and if you do not have another way to sacrifice it yourself, it will literally do nothing. I suppose it is a green card. But yeah, yeah, I'd probably lean that way, because I can find other green creatures. But this, I mean, the cycles, which seems good, and okay. Yes. I'm probably there. Yeah, I'd probably, I'm probably on implement right now. All right. Uh, Countless Gear vs. Renegade. Colorless and a white for a 2-2. Two -two. Revolt. When Countless Gears Renegade enters the battlefield, if a permanent you control left the battlefield this turn, create a 1-1 one, one colorless servo artifact creature. I mean, at, at its face, it's a 2-2 two -two for 2. Yep. So, you, I mean, it can't, a, be that, it can't be that bad. You have a grizzly bear. It's a bear. I don't know. A bear with upside, but I'm, I think I'm still on the implement. Okay. How about the another implement? Implement of Malice. Two colorless. Black. Sack. Target player discards a card, activates a card only time you can activate a sorcery, and like every other implement, you draw a card. I don't know if I'm on this actually. So I'm not I'm not throwing this out until so turn two you're playing this, turn three you're or you're activating it usually. Mm -hmm. For for one card, I and then drawing a card. I just I just feel like that discarding one card is not impactful enough. Fair enough. I don't know. That's just just my thought. Like, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna pay mind rot mana, I'd rather have mind rot. Yeah, it it is in the colors that um take advantage of improvise a lot better since it is black. But 
Okay. We we also do we want to commit to a I mean, do we want our first pick to be a common that's only good in one deck? I mean, right now we have I mean, it's it's it would be between this implement or the other or the implement ferocity. And I'm just I just like the implement ferocity better. It goes in more decks. Mm -hmm. Because basically any deck that has creatures and plus one plus one counters are usually better than they look. Yeah. So I, I think that I think this one I'm kind of I'm I yeah, I'm not on it. So we've gotten to our first uncommons now. Okay. Gaunties machinations for one black you can have an enchantment that whenever you lose life for the first time each turn you gain one energy i feel like i should just stop you right there <laughs> <laughs> you can pay continue though you can pay two energy sacrifice gaunti's machinations each opponent loses three life you gain life equal to the life loss this way it's technically a lightning bolt i mean it's it's technically a lightning bolt i Yes, but I just I just feel like I have to screw around too much for it as yeah, a thing. It's lightning like, bolt, I, but terrible. I mean, if so, if I if if I go if I play this card and don't have anything else, I have done nothing. Yes, and I don't like that. I don't. Know, it just it just feels like it's it's low impact. I don't think it's. I mean, you can generate energy with it, I guess, at the cost of getting your ass whooped. <laughs> I don't know. I just am not on it. I don't think so. I still like the implement better. All right. Illusionist's Stratagem. We have ourselves a ghostly flicker with upside. Two colorless and a blue instance. Exile up to two tower creatures you control and return those cards to the battlefield under your control. Draw a card. I kind of like this. I don't think I take it over the implement be because I, I feel like I already want to have the pieces for a deck before I take this card. Yeah. But I, I feel like if you find if you get enough cards with ETB effects or like um, uh, any of the cards from Kaladesh that have uh, that mechanic fabricate mm -hmm. like you could kind of do some silly things. Yeah, I will say I have never seen this card in a deck but I've always wanted to play it in a deck. I want to play this card like I It does everything really you do. want to do. It's ghostly flicker with draw a card on it. <laughs> exactly. You could tag draw a card on almost anything and I'm happy. Alright. Airdrop Aeronauts our first two colored or two colored symbols card it is three colorless and two white for a four three dwarf scout with flying revolt when it enters the battlefield if permanent you control left the battlefield this turn gain five life i would i would play that card but i mean it's putting me in white hard it's and if i take the implement all i have to do is put a green in my deck it is also your first pick you should never get married to your first pick. I'm never married to my first pick, but the thing is, is that I don't. I'm like I'm willing to abandon my first pick and take some hasty ones. I just I feel that implement would serve me better than this this card would because I feel like I I don't know I just I'm I'm not I don't know I'm not on this one as much and I I like a four power flyer for five is usually what I want. Mm -hmm. Interesting. If it was a 4-4, four, four, I'd probably be a little happier, as stupid as that sounds. You are so Andy. I know, I just thought <laughs> that. <laughs> Alright, final card, our rare. Call for Unity. Three colorless and two white enchantment. Revolt at the beginning of your instep. We all know what Revolt does. You put a Unity counter on Call for Unity. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one for each Unity counter on Call for Unity. So... Turn five, I play this. It does stone nothing. Unless you triggered revolt earlier. So the turn I play this, it literally does stone nothing if I attack that turn, though. Yes. Because it's at your end step. Yes. I This could get stupid. Yes. Massive, massive ceiling. You're, you're basically going into the basement to find the floor, though. It does nothing when I play it, and that <laughs> really bothers me. Like, I... So when I when I draft, and I don't know if this is the format for it, when I when I draft, I tend to draft pile of good card decks, mm -hmm. like uh, decks that I just do creatures and things that affect the board. I don't do a lot of messing around with my draft decks, which is funny because all the other decks I make are messing around decks that don't do anything. If we were phantom drafting this, I would probably still take the implement. All right, but I don't know. I, 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 I could see myself taking this card, though, and, and trying to get there with the white stuff. 
for me, it's it's between Implement of Ferocity, Lifecraft Cavalry. Yep. But I honestly think Airdrop Aeronauts is better than both of them. Um, just from obviously, I have a little more experience with the format than you do. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's really hard to deal with a four three flyer. And if you ever like, if you ever do flicker it, gaining five life is a big thing when it comes to life point swings. Yeah, that is. All, I mean, five life is a lot of life. I mean, it is a creature and just does things. Yeah, well, yeah I could see myself taking that though. I guess yeah. I could see myself taking the cal. The... You mean the aeronauts or the cavalry? Aeronauts. Yeah, whatever yeah. the hell it is. The the white one. Yeah. Oh, Sorry. Also, four three flyers are just more in, interesting than one mana artifacts. The the double white is annoying though as a card that I'm taking because I'd rather I mean if I'm first picking I'd still would rather I'd rather take a card I can use in any uh, more in more decks I mean I'm not gonna get I don't get married to my first pick I as I said I've discarded them but if I don't have to waste a pick I'm, I tend to be happier yeah I mean obviously we we just wish we had a stronger rare than call for unity but yeah I, I I do too no no masterpiece or anything nope that was it we got a mm-hmm. a pretty nice looking planes. That's the obvious oh, pick right there. It's, it's John Avon art, so never mind. We're first picking the planes. <laughs> All right. So, you know, I, I will settle on my solid pick as, you know, you convinced me I'm going to go with the Aeronauts. Sweet. That would be my pick. That was fun. That was I, fun. I enjoyed that. We kicked our episode a little long, but I'll allow it this time. Well, maybe you should, you know, pick your cards faster. I should, actually. But... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So... Um, if you have any feedback for us, you can let us know at thelocalmeta at gmail.com. I guess until next time, we will catch you then. See ya.